This is the Impact Report. I'm your host, Katie Oman. The Impact Report brings together students and faculty in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, social entrepreneurship, and more. These conversations go live the first and third Friday of each month. This week, Bard MBA faculty Jorge Fontanez speaks with Vian Trung, CEO of DreamCore. Thanks so much, Vienne, for taking the time to speak to us today. Uh, I am the cl- clinical professor of marketing here at the Bard MBA program in sustainability. And I've studied grassroots movements over the last few years, also to expand the conversation in the classroom to be more inclusive of environmental and social justice issues, and also to recognize how technology in particular has accelerated movement making. So we're excited to have you because I think you'll give us some behind the scenes look at your work and how to sustain a a movement. So thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me, Jorge. Good to talk with you. Great. Well, so first up, you know, I, I want our listeners to hear about your origin story. And because an MBA program is largely about transforming careers, I want you to share if uh, what you're able to about how your upbringing shapes your view of the world and maybe how it's connected to your career path. Um, how have your experiences perhaps um, growing up influenced that path and also allowed you to um, secure the leadership role that you're in that allows you to combat environmental and social injustice today? Mm-hmm. Well, my parents came here as refugees from Vietnam, and I'm the youngest of 11 kids born to my mom and dad, same parents. My mom was actually pregnant with me at 44 years old when she got into that little rickety boat to get out of the war-torn country and to safer land. I was born in a refugee camp, which looks exactly as you would imagine the internment camps looking like a bunch of people mm. packed into, um, you know, steel cages surrounding the perimeters of these um, shacks that people were crammed into. And um, we eventually make it out and we got to Portland, Oregon, where my parents, who never learned how to read or write in English, um, the only job they could find there was picking strawberries and snow peas on the farms, sometimes with me strapped to their back. Um, when my grandma started getting dementia, we had to find a place where we could have some relatives who can watch her at home when they were at work. And so we moved to Oakland, California, where we had some family and friends. And there, my parents um, were able to find work in sweatshops. It was, in fact, the only jobs they could find from the time I was three until the time I went to college. That's what they did what my parents, um, my brothers and sisters did, and what I did when I could help out and was old enough. So I, um, I grew up in Oakland, and primarily during the crack years, and it's known as the 80s, 1980s, where um, we had just a huge problem with desperation, with the lack of um, health and social support. We had a declining educational system, for, especially for kids like, my, like me and my siblings in Oakland. Um, in fact, actually, when I got to Cal, eventually, I, I opened this, uh, some literature to read about, you know, the problems of education, and I saw my elementary school as one of the worst performing schools in the country. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, growing up in Oakland, I, um, I was able to understand 
both the neglect and the desperation that people go through, but also how unfair and unjust it was. And when I got to Cal, I decided that the purpose of my education is not to escape poverty, it's not to escape Oakland, but to figure out how to begin to fundamentally end poverty. And that's what I've been putting my life and my career towards. Wow, that's such a, a powerful story. Thank you so much for, for sharing it. And it sounds like this upbringing uh, in particular has influenced the work that you're doing in, in a way that perhaps we're not imagining, just, just for the benefit of our listeners. So Dream Corps is a social justice accelerator that backs initiatives. Um, uh, we've seen it uh, linking how to you know, closing prison doors and opening doors of opportunity for all, kind of much in the same way that you're discussing your your experience personally. Um, so, talk to us about like how did you get involved with the Dream Corps and and what has kept you there? I got involved in a way that most people do. Um, actually, before Dream Corps, I had applied, cold, you know, saw a job posting for Green for All, and I applied. I got an interview, I got accepted, very normal. Um, What I didn't know until I started was that the founder of Green for All, Van Jones, um, I knew he was the founder. I didn't know quite what a big deal he was. I was never really into the celebrity culture. I was more into, we're gonna change poverty, we're gonna address these big problems. And um, and at the time he was kind of already a very um, well-recognized figure in the national politics. When I started working here, I began to understand the opportunity in the environmental sector to address not only the conditions of Oakland, but other communities like Oakland. I became very excited, and um, the more I got into it, the more you know, passionate I became, the more effective I became. Um, seven years later, I moved to a different organization. Uh, Van had founded the Dream Corps, and he's the president and founder still of our board and our organization. He asked if I would step in as a CEO and help to really um, strengthen the organization, help to bring our team together and help to grow our leadership up and have more impact across the board. So we do that and now it's not just in the climate change space, which I've been deeply a part of, but it also includes other issues I care passionately around too. So our mission at the Dream Corps is to close prison doors and to open doors of opportunity. um, no surprise that when you grow up in Oakland, you have a lot of friends and family who get affected by the criminal justice system. It's undue enforcement and undue protection. Uh, and so um, we have a program called Cut 50 that is working to reduce prison population in half in the next 10 years. And we do that through humanization and legislation, humanizing people who've been affected by the system, but also legislation to change, really create more dignity and freedom for people. We also have a Yes We Code program, and our uh, this was co-founded by Van and Prince, the artist, before he passed. And Oakland, being you know a stone's throw away from Silicon Valley, we have actually had our property rates skyrocket through gentrification, and now we're losing the very fabric of Oakland, the community that I love so deeply. And so when we see and welcome people coming in from Silicon Valley, we also want to see our Oaklanders going to Silicon Valley for some of those opportunities. So our Yes We Code program does exactly that. Uh, we are working to get 100,000 young people of diverse backgrounds to find success in the tech sector. I'm proud to say we just launched a multi-city collaboration with Infor, one of the largest companies um, from business to business services. 
and um, check it out online. It's really exciting. Uh, Green for All, I want to talk a little bit more about. Um, so yes, it's please. working yeah. to, um, yes, yeah, so Green for All is working to create a green economy strong enough to lift people out of poverty. It's one of our oldest uh, programs and one of the most um, kind of recognized in terms of brand in that it's been credited for the first ever Green Jobs Act. We worked together with Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, on it um, and moved $500 million into green jobs training ever since we've passed a number of state, federal, and local policies. Um, more recently, we're now working globally with other uh, cities and countries around how do we actually create solutions for poverty and pollution. So I'm very proud of that. Um, and then finally, we have Love Army, and Love Army was born out of the Trump uh, election. It was to unite people in a very divided country to really um, respond to the hate with love, really to bring people together, not out of despair, but to figure out what we can actually do in advance as a country. And um, one of the things that I'm very proud of is that in April, we joined forces with the United Mine Workers of America to successfully protect 22,000 retired coal miners and their families from losing their health care. So we're well off on our way. We're only, we're less than four years old, and um, we've been having a lot of impact in a very short time. You sure have. Thank you so much for, for your work first and also for mentioning the Polluters Pay Fund, um, this landmark bill, 535, for those that may not be as familiar, um, now has garnered uh, close to a billion dollars uh, for disadvantaged communities. Is that right? We're actually close to $2 billion now. Um, oh, amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Great. And depending on how you count, it could be up to three. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's fantastic. These are great successes. So I, I would like to focus in just a little bit on the Greed for All program. You talked about pollution and poverty. You talked about um, some great words to make it approachable, humanization and, and legislation. And I'm curious, could you talk a little bit about your engagement strategy? Um, you mentioned some of the partnerships uh, from the private sector as well as um, unions uh, participating in these initiatives. How are you engaging stakeholders successfully and how are you also involving the public in the mission of the mm -hmm. um, Well, I should say that we are a very unique nonprofit in that we work with celebrities and um, tech giants. We work with uh, elected officials. We're very bipartisan. Um, even in this day and age, and when people are talking about bipartisanship, we actually do the work and rolling up our sleeves. And then we also work with Wall Street. As a nonprofit, to do those things is very uncommon. Um, let me yeah. say a little bit more. So, for instance, um, we have Kim Kardashian in our office today filming, um, <laughs> filming um, with our, our, our criminal justice team um, some of the work that we've been doing together with her around reducing prison populations, really working on clemency, letting people get pardoned um, who have served the time, and helping to really look at what is wrong with the criminal justice system, which is costing us so much and doing so little and really rehabilitating people and really creating justice or a more safe country. Um, and so, you know, we work with Hollywood. We also work with, you know, N4, for instance. We work with our tech giants um, to really create opportunities for people who are from communities like the ones that I grew up in. Um, we're now in, uh, we did two cohorts in Oakland training young people for Silicon Valley jobs. They were coming in with, you know, less than um, 
less than sustainable wages, you know, less than 50, 60K. After a couple of months of training, you were seeing them get over six figures in entry-level salaries. Um, mm. And, you know, we work with Wall Street to look at what are some of the ways to now leverage private capital and really invest in communities that have been neglected um, and redlined out. And then we work with elected officials to really move policy and politics. And through that, um, all of the different sectors, we work with both the grass tops, you know, those who are influencers, those who have voice, those who shape thinking. We also work with grassroots. We work with moms from Flint. Um, we actually just uh, changed out the boilers for 19 homes um, using pure donations um, mm. directly to Flint families. We work with people who have been um, recently out of uh, imprisonment and helping them be leaders in really moving the issue and understanding the problems of our criminal injustice system. Um, we work with a lot of people who have been um, organizers or grassroots folks across the board from dreamers to the Muslim community. Um, we've been working together to, for example, address some of the climate refugees that have been impacted by the um, Hurricane Maria and helping them to be mobilized and engaged in Florida. So, you know, from the grass tops to the grassroots, from Silicon Valley to uh, Hollywood to Wall Street to D.C., we kind of um, have this strategy, this kind of sense of we'll work with anybody who agrees with us that it is not the time for us to despair and wring our hands. It is time for us to get up, to do something, and, you know, what little we can do, whether you're a Flint mom and you want to use your story or whether you're a celebrity and want to use your platform, we want to make sure that we're bringing in opportunities for people to actually make a change. In this day and age, we can't wait for our elected officials to do that. We need to do it. Wow, this is such exciting. I mean, it's, it's bold work, uh, it sounds like to me. And, and you've mentioned a few communities, Flint being one, um, uh, the communities in Orlando that are helping, as you mentioned, climate refugees from Puerto Rico resettle. Uh, and, and I'm curious also, how have these communities or others um, looked to enact similar legislation like the, what you created with uh, Green for All and Polluters Pay. Are other communities as successful as the work you've... Well, there's a few states that are working to um, do the Polluter Pays program now. And um, not only should they pay, but they should also make sure that they're uh, cleaning up and paying up and investing those funds into the communities most neglected, most impacted by poverty and pollution as a result of some of their uh, actions in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, some of those states include Oregon, Washington State, which had a sub-ballot initiative 1631. And I should note by the, on the November ballot, by the time of this airing in May, we might find out whether or not it's passed. Uh, right, New York right. Is also, <laughs> yeah, New York's also, Massachusetts also is working on some. And the reason why this podcast is so important, the reason why it's so key for us to be more thoughtful around communications is that, you know, these are really good examples. They're really good solutions. And if you don't know about it, it's hard to replicate. It's hard to actually, you know, go into another state where you're not based in to tell people what they should do. But we hope that by sharing some of the solutions, some of the inspiration and some of the successes um, that people will be interested and curious and maybe invite us to be partners in helping to advance some of these solutions with them. Uh 
This is great. Well, we'll, we'll definitely keep our uh, eyes peeled for election results and possibly give an update to uh, all of the good work that you've now seeded in other parts of the country. And so, um, you know, I, I guess I'd like to also learn, you know, what does success look like for DreamCore? I mean, there are already some powerful metrics that define uh, success and, and progress in some ways. But uh, is there a, a true north that you're working towards that you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think the more we feel like we've made a dent in our mission to close prison doors and to open doors of opportunity, the more I feel good about us um, having our impact. Each of our initiatives, each of our programs have built-in metrics. And so they all have timelines and they all have um, clear numbers of which we want to get to. So, for instance, our criminal justice team, we want to reduce prison population in half in 10 years. Clear. Mm. So, so we get to there, that's our North Star. You know, right. Next week code, we want to train 100,000 young people from diverse backgrounds into the tech sector. We already are close to 200, and so we're moving our, our direction there. Um, it launched uh, three years ago, so it's not... Not that long ago, um, Love Army, we want to unite people in a grassroots mobilization um, across the country. We already have pretty strong metrics there. We have 60,000 volunteers who have signed up to be on, a part of our Love Army. Uh, and Green for All, we're working to pass policies at federal, state, and local levels. And that is pollution metrics and that's poverty metrics. Fantastic. So I, I do want to be sure that before we close, we include an invitation to the public for what the average person can do and how we can participate. Um, could you could you share with us, how do you sustain this? How do you sustain these movements uh, and so many at the same time? And, and how can the public get involved? Well, we're a nonprofit, which means that um, we are entirely dependent on donations from kind people and foundations. Um, and so if, if people are listening and they can contribute a dollar or two or whatever you can give, that would be great. Um, we use that for good purposes. Uh, and then and we, where should they go? You know, where should they go to donate? Thank you. It's thedreamcore.org. Great. Dreamcore.org. Thedreamcore.org. Oh, thedreamcore.org. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important. There's another organization very similar sounding to ours, but it's based in China. Okay. Um, Got it. And then if you go there, you'll see a link to donate. For folks who want to be more engaged, sign up to be a volunteer. We let our volunteers know whenever we're in town um, and we're doing an event and we could use some help. Um, we are able to kind of geographically let folks know when we're in their area. And some of it is really fun. So, for instance, we just had a Love Army event in Florida where we had um, – some of the most amazing artists come out from um, uh, the folks who founded reggaeton and to um, uh, some of the local uh, uh, Puerto Rican celebrities who've been, you know, amazing influencers, um, legislators, people who are there. We had um, a birthday party for Van Jones, our founder, uh, two weeks ago in San Francisco where we let our volunteers know. and. They were able to come, and people who were there at the party included Beyonce's mom and MC Hammer and <laughs> Angela <laughs> Rye and SC Cup. It was pretty amazing. So if you're a volunteer, oh it's really fun stuff sometimes. You would luck into um, events and, and stuff that it's hard to get access to otherwise. So go to our website. You'll see a link that says volunteer, and um, just punch in your info, and then we'll contact you whenever things are happening. And let us know if you have a special skill set or anything you want to contribute. 
we always need people to help us with graphics and design and websites and those kind of things. That's great. That's great. I can attest to uh, some of the level of celebrity, not exactly at the level that you mentioned, but uh, when I signed up for the Love Army, uh, when it first launched uh, here in New York, we had some great events. So uh, I can definitely attest to to the experience that a volunteer might have. Um, Well, great. So uh, you went to the one in Harlem. Um, there was, there was, well, Van Jones participated in a conference, um, uh, through, through middle collegiate church, um, and mm-hmm. the revolutionary love conference. I don't know if you're, oh, uh, yeah. If you're yeah, yeah, with, yeah. Valerie Core. yeah, with Valerie core, exactly. And my pastor, Reverend, uh, Jackie Lewis. Uh, so, uh, I was involved through, through that and saw them go on tour together for a little bit, which is really oh. exciting. Yeah. So, so this is another reason why I was so excited to, talk to you today and to learn from you and to see how we could um, connect your work to to our audience, but also to our students and learn how, again, how to how to um, really commit to, to these issues uh, for the long term that are so, uh, so needing um, the type of multi-stakeholder engagement that you're bringing to the forefront. So, um, yeah. so well, you know, I'll, I will yeah, say, go ahead. Um, in addition to the things I listed earlier, the ways that we could use your help is um, if you follow me on Twitter at Viendetta, at V-I-E-N-D-E-T-T-A, I always yes. share out opportunities when we're hiring, when we're doing fun events. I always tweet those things out. Um, and then on our various social media platforms for the organization, there's ways to find a way to plug in as well. And so. Hope you guys stay plugged in. I hope it's the beginning of getting to meet your listeners um, and then I'll meet them in person one day. At Viendetta, I will be following you very shortly. So thanks so much for your time today, Vien. Great to talk to you. You too, Jorge. Learn more about DreamCore and get involved by visiting thedreamcore.org. Join us for the next episode of the Impact Report on Friday, February 15th. We'll be speaking with Ken Grossman, founder of Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. For our complete lineup and other news, visit us at impactreportpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Bard MBA in Sustainability is one of a select few graduate programs globally that fully integrates sustainability into a core business curriculum. Learn more at bard.edu/mba.